the biggest mistake again is, oh, I need a job. Can I send you my resume? I don't know you. What have you done to get to know me? I go to networking. I'm like, oh, Janae, you're like an executive in this company. What made you so successful? Now I'm getting you to brag about how great you are. Thank you for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. We're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. We want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we get to speak with Joseph Stetter. For over 16 years, Joseph Stetter has incorporated humor, energy, passion, and full self-expression into his personal and professional life. He's an award-winning and international best-selling author of Canada Congratulations, You Are Hired, It Was Easier Than You Thought, and USA Congratulations, You Are Hired, It Was Easier Than You Thought. He's an award-winning speaker and Guinness World Record holder. When he was younger, he didn't know what he wanted to do when growing up, so he switched careers nine times in 17 jobs. He has personally helped over 10,500 people find a job they love with a 90% success rate of finding anyone employment in any field under three months with the proven systems. Joseph Stetter helps you take the headache out of navigating the abyss of job searching or hiring by sharing advanced strategies that maximize results. He understands the importance of clear, concise, confident, and informal communication to generate truly unbelievable results. So get ready for an unbelievable episode with Joseph Stetter as he shares some really, really amazing ways that you can increase your chances of landing a job that you're going to love. Come along with me and listen in. Joseph Stetter runs the Celebrate Group, and he is an expert with over 25,000 hours of finding jobs. I mean, that's just mind-blowing. And I mean, I'm, I've been working for over 20 years in different industries, but and finding a job was always, it's always like figuring out, okay, what do I do again? Like you worked at a place for like three years, and then you go for a job search, it's it's like something brand new. You got to figure it all over again because times change. So Joseph Stetters has helped over 11,000 people. So thanks for coming on, man. And super excited to have you and share the information. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm super excited to, to be here. And thank you again for the opportunity, Junaid. I really appreciate it. Um, I've heard nothing but great things about Hacks and Hobbies. And I've looked at a few of the episodes and definitely you know what you're doing. And uh, I'm excited to be part of here. You know, uh, you mentioned I have 25,000 hours of expertise. Um, you know, my, we'll call it passion and excitement started with the fact that I personally have switched careers nine different times. Wow. And jobs 18 times. So when I switched careers, I had to get redesignated. Um, and kind of learn the whole process again and uh, produce results, uh, mainly because of the combination of I didn't know what I want to do when I grow up mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the pressure of trying to please the parents. So kind of took on the more, you know, work in finance because that's a career and you can build on it. Um, and then I got into recruiting. I've had the pleasure of recruiting for companies like Deloitte and Touche, Tata Consulting Services, Acon Construction, Apotex Pharmaceuticals, IBM, uh, just to name a few. 
um, and that helped me understand because I've been a generalist in recruiting, what's actually happening in the, in the job force. And then uh, in combination, I started kind of giving lectures uh, at organizations like Access and Costi and uh, various other government agencies. Um, and I realized these are the patterns or these are mistakes that most people make when uh, applying for a job. Like the majority of people by default will go to the applicant tracking systems like Indeed. So before COVID, um, the applicant tracking system, like let's say Indeed had 38 million users. That meant that one job posting was getting between 350 and 5,000 applicants. Um, wow. So in most companies, let's say when they're hiring, they're looking at the first hundred. So now with COVID, if you listen, if you've listened to the news at all in the past six months, it is estimated that between 60 and 65 million people lost their job between Canada and the United States. So if before COVID it was 350 to 5,000, it's now basically 1,500 to 10,000 kind of applying for one job posting. Wow. Right. And sadly, uh, most of the applicant tracking systems probably have a 5% success rate of actually someone getting hired from them. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the easiest and most simplest tricks that very few people do. Uh, I, in North America, when a job is posted, there's usually a don't call us, we'll call you kind of statement at the bottom. And especially Canadians, uh, sometimes American, we're kind of very polite and we're like, okay, we'll do what we're told. So we won't call, we'll wait. But you can call, let's say HR and say, hi, you know what? My internet's been crashing uh, or my computer has been giving me problems. Mm. Can you check if my application went through? Now, here's what happens. If you were, let's say, applicant number 500 and you just called HR and said, can you check if my application went through? When they go to check, they've pulled your resume. So you're now actually number one on the applicant tracking system. It's yep. a simple little trick, but 98% of people probably don't do it, right? Wow. Uh, and that's all it takes is just like, hey, can you check? Now you've got them on the phone. They've checked. They've looked at your application. You have two minutes to kind of give your elevator pitch that says, here's how good I am, here's why you want to hire me, uh, and ask a few questions like, when are you going to start interviewing for this position? So if they say to you, oh, in two weeks, for example, ask permission to follow up, right? If you don't hear from them, maybe they can critique your resume and give you feedback on how the resume could be better. So now, if they're willing to give you feedback, they're writing the perfect resume that they want to hire, right? And again, most people don't do this. Wow. I've Right. So like this is just a very simple hack, but there's actually three hacks to be, beat the databases regularly. Uh, and the reason I know this is I actually in 2006 consulted Monster on how to do their smart search function. Um, and so, for example, if you lost your job right at the beginning of COVID, let's say in March, and you posted your resume in March and didn't touch it, you're probably on page like 3000 of the database. No one is seeing your resume because you haven't updated. So most of the big databases like Indeed, Career Builder, Glassdoor, um, refresh daily their database between 11.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 2.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So depending on when you go to bed, go in anywhere on your resume, add a space, press space bar and save it. The moment that you press spacebar, 
you're actually forced into the refresh of the database, right? So now you're not on page 3000 anymore. You're actually a relevant resume. Second thing that the database score is keywords. Now, for some reason, we've been taught that a resume should have a lot of the action words, like, you know, manage, direct, liaise, com you know, communicated. Reality is the algorithms of the applicant tracking systems are not measuring those words. In 20 years of recruiting, I've never once looked for someone who wrote the word manage, direct, or liaise. That's crazy. Or have I looked for a resume that has the words hardworking, dedicated, committed, uh, you know, because they're all subjective. What I'm looking for is the technical words associated with the industry that you're working mm. in. So if, for example, you work in accounting, I'm looking for the word accounting, accountant, financial statements, balance sheet, income statement, uh, you know, general ledger. And the problem is that most people, when they either write their own resume or kind of go to a government agency to write a resume, yeah, yeah. the focus is, you know what, I managed how to do this, I directed how to do this. Now, here's the thing, and I use this example. When I use this example, most people laugh. If someone's applying to be a receptionist somewhere and they come to an employer and say, I know how to answer the phone, a potential employer should look at them in shock and go, really? A receptionist that knows how to answer the phone? We did not know that. Because unless you live in an igloo, a cave, or a Mennonite, chances are you know how to press a green button and go, hello, mm -hmm. how can I help you? Yeah. Now, if you have work experience or you went to school to become an administrative assistant, and you learn how to answer 60 calls a day with 12 different lines, I can measure 60 calls a day with 12 different lines. I cannot measure, I know how to answer the phone. True. Right. And the majority mm -hmm. of people, when they write their resume, just kind of go, I know how to do this. So if you are, let's say, uh, working in IT on the software side, and you know, you go, I know how to work in Python. Okay. What does that mean? What have you coded? What, what, what results have you produced? How, how good are you at coding at Python? Because if it takes you, you know, let's say 40 hour work week to code a hundred lines on Python, you're not a very good coder, right? Uh, so you have to be able to, you have to be able to kind of quantify the results you produce. Most people don't bother saying that. They only have generic statements like, I know how to do this. I know how to do this. Nobody cares if you know how to do it. They want to know how good you are. No one's hiring you because there's an empty chair over there in the corner and it looks weird that there's an empty chair. They're hiring you to make the money, save the money, and increase their efficiency. So your resume not only should have some of the action words, but it should have the technical words because that's what yeah. the algorithms of the ATS is. And it should have some results to indicate that you actually are valuable to them. And so this is kind of going to, to the level where, again, on the applicant tracking system, if you haven't updated it, nobody sees you. If your re resume is full of generic words, like I'm hardworking, dedicated, committed, and a team player, you know what, in 20 years of recruiting, I've met very few people that say, listen, I'm lazy, I'll show up late, none of my work will be any good, and I really hate people, please hire me. <laughs> Not unless you're related to them or having an affair with them that you can get away with that kind of thing, right? And understand that those words are very subjective because yeah. your definition of hardworking and my definition of hardworking could be very different. Right. So 100%. unless you've quantified it, okay, you're hardworking. Everybody says they're hardworking. Right. Um, so get rid of the fluff, as I call it, and kind of focus on here's what you do. Now, the other thing is most people write chronological or functional resumes. So if because of 
COVID, let's say you're working in a retail store right now just to kind of pay some of the bills, that's the first thing that companies see. Mm -hmm. So they already dismiss you as an expert in your field because you've kind of put in order all the in-between jobs that you've had. So they don't look at your expertise. So I focus on semi-functional resumes and same things with the databases. Not only do they score how many times the technical words appear in your resume, but they're also scoring how close to your name those technical mm -hmm. words appear. So if those technical words are on page two of your resume, you're not a good match for the job. It's not going to show up. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have to show them up because most, em, let's say, employers, recruiting firms that are hiring are spending between eight and 30 seconds reading your resume. That means they're spending the, they're reading the top third to maybe the top half of your resume. And if you're not in, um, and if you're kind of not appearing there, they've put you in the nose pile. Like I've had that from personal experiences. So that's the kind of the quick insights just on the ATS is that nobody has ever told you like, you know, something as simple as adding a space anywhere in the resume and saving it, you know, uh, making sure that you actually have technical words in it, not just, I managed a project, I liaised this, I coordinated that. Like, yes, those words are important. Be very specific is what I'm hearing. Be very specific, be proactive. Yeah. Very and, intentional in what you're putting in your resume. Right. And this mindset of customizing the resume, if you're applying in the same industry, understand that if you were to take, let's say an engineering job, an IT job, an accounting job, a law job, an administrative assistant job, and put them side by side and look at all of them, 70% of the job description exactly the same. We other duties as assigned, you know, we require someone with excellent communication skills. So customizing the resume to add that fluffy information is actually a waste of time and a waste of energy because you need to talk about this is what you did on the job. You know, like if I tell you, I know how to be a sales leader. Okay. Your first question should be, well, what's your sales track record? What have you done either as a salesperson or as a leader? So if I were to say to you, uh, which did happen, I was working for a company that owns approximately 60 private colleges across Canada. Their big brand in the East Coast is called CDI College, right? And they asked me to build a call center from scratch where the expectation was that the call center will generate about $300,000 for the year because the restriction on the call center was that the team calls leads that are more than 75 kilometers from the nearest campus and more than four months old. And I told you in less than six months, we did $2.25 million wow. in revenue. Did I prove to you that I can lead a sales team? Hell yeah. Right? Because like I just told you, I did eight times the expected results. Mm -hmm. So an employer that's seeking going, okay, I need someone to lead my call center is going to go, wait a minute, $300,000 budget did $2.25 million in less than six months. I want to speak to that person. Yeah. Right. Versus yeah. I know how to manage a call center. This is the biggest, let's say, gap that most people have. Personally, I wouldn't waste so much time on the database on the applicant tracking systems. It's it's the worst place to spend energy looking for a job. It's it's the same. Um, wow. Really, really positive. Really. I mean, we just off off the gate. We just right right into the hacks, right into what it takes 
yeah. to rank up higher on the applicant tracking system. The applicant track, the applicant, yeah. And I think that's ATS, right? People call yeah. it ATS a lot of times. Because I think I received a call once like, hey, do you guys manage any ATS systems? I was like, what is an ATS system? Listen, right. because again, yeah. if someone just say Indeed, everybody knows what Indeed is. But yes. the database itself is called applicant tracking system because that's, that's what you do. You always, put your resume in and, yeah. and you, you try to get hired. Uh, but reality is that the applicant tracking system, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the 80-20 rule. It applies to many things in life. Mm -hmm. So when a job has reached being posted on the applicant tracking system, the companies reach desperation, which means they've gone through their own people that work there and asked mm -hmm. for referrals. They've potentially gone through an agency to try and find. Now they're like, okay, we can't find any, but so let's put it on the database kind of thing. Interesting. Right. But yeah. Uh, like, listen, we've lost the art of that personal touch because by default now, if you try to apply for any job, first question is, did you apply in line? It's, it's, and, and people go, no, okay, you're eliminated because you didn't bother to do the bare minimum kind of thing, right? But you're not getting hired because you sent a resume online. You're not getting married because you put a picture and say that you love walking on the beach right. on an online dating profile. You have to meet, you have to talk to somebody uh, in person. And unfortunately, most people don't do that. They become, we become lazy. We become kind of compliant in the, oh, this is the easy, like the, what everyone else is doing. So I'll just do the Absolutely. same. Absolutely. A lot of people even say, you know, text me. I don't, don't call me. Just text yeah. me. <laughs> like, yeah. but you have a phone, you don't talk. Well, again, and texting is like, I, I have an issue. Like, I, I know that the younger generation loves texting, mm -hmm. but how do you tell a joke on text? <laughs> right? Because yeah. like even a bad joke, it's the delivery that makes a joke. Exactly. Right? So yeah. you can't really type a joke. No. Uh, there's a lot of things that, especially now that we become a society that speaks in acronyms, you know, um, that things are misinterpreted because you're not, communicating the full aspect of it. So, you know, if you're communicating, communicating in emojis, mm -hmm. how is somebody supposed to understand the emotion? I mean, okay, you have an angry emoji, but that doesn't really explain right. why there's an anger, why there's a things. It's no different in a job. Like it's a, it's funny to me that uh, I've had experiences where I kind of, you know, you know, the, the, the phrase common sense has become not so common. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing to me, the things that happen that I kind of go like, pardon my expression, but what were you smoking right. before the interview, <laughs> right? Or drinking for that matter. Like, uh, give you an example. I had a client that was one of the top, uh, like leaders in the photocopier model industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, was looking for a, like a account manager, base salary $150,000, $150,000 in potential commissions. Now, the recruiting manager was one of the most stiff, rigid, proper women I've ever met in my life. Wow. When I say stiff, rigid, proper, I'm talking like British proper, like button shirt up to her chin, perfect posture, zero sense of humor. Right? So I found somebody who was actually working for their biggest competitor. Spent an hour and a half training him for the interview, telling him, like, 
do not crack jokes with this person. Like mm -hmm. be professional, answer the questions like this, only do this. First question in the interview, the interviewer asked him, what motivates you in life? His answer verbatim, sex and money in that order. Needless to say, interview was done after one question. <laughs> she called me and yelled at me for an hour and a half for sending somebody so dumb for a $300,000 job where I'm like, listen, even if your best friend is interviewing you, sex should not be the first thing out of your mouth right. unless you're applying to be a stripper or an escort kind of thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> because they still have to take notes for your file, right? And even if you're trying to be funny, like first build the rapport and kind of gauge the personality yeah. Not your first answer in an interview kind of thing. <laughs> he's not he's not applying for a fraternity, that's for sure. <laughs> and we're talking a three hundred thousand dollar job. Right, so exactly. He's not applying for an entry level job either. That, right? Exactly. So like, you know, I have this like twenty years of stories of experience where I'm going like even candidates that I interviewed and I went mm -hmm. I'm not surprised you're not getting a job kind of thing. Like right. that's being politically correct. What I'm yeah. saying, you know, I appreciate there's cultural differences mm -hmm. that sometimes people don't know about. And therefore it causes like, if I use, for example, um, people that are generally from India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, especially for men, they wear rings on their fingers, which represents social status, which represents health, mm -hmm. which represents various other things. And I appreciate that it's a cultural thing, but in Western society, when a man shows up to an interview with four to eight rings on his fingers, it looks a little bit odd. Now, when I've coached people from that part of the world, mm -hmm. I've said to them, like, I understand the importance of those rings, but perhaps maybe put three of them in your pocket so that they're still on you to give you the blessings and whatever it is that you believe in. Right. But it's accepted in Western society to have a ring and a wedding ring, not necessarily your fingers where you have one or two rings on each finger and you're coming into an interview kind of thing. And it's, again, it's a cultural thing. It where is. Unfortunately, the culture might impact the reaction, uh, but there's awareness that can become around it. And there's a way to, that even if you wear all the rings, you can come into the room and say, listen, uh, I just want to let you know I'm wearing the rings because it's a cultural thing and it's part of my belief system. The moment you say that, you've eliminated the why are you wearing mm -hmm. so many ring question in the background kind of thing. Yep, you, you know, you eliminate those assumptions that they might have in their heads about it. Right, and it's the same thing. Like let's say in some cultures, uh, the opposite sex can't touch or so forth. Right, so like acknowledge that's part of my religion or that's part of my culture. Not a big deal. Um, because if you acknowledge it, it's not something they can hold against you uh, in terms yeah. of the interview. And it's yeah. not something they'll be like, oh, you know what? You didn't shake my hand. I'm not hiring you. Because you've acknowledged it's, it's, it's something that contradicts your belief system. Yes. Uh, and so it's okay. Uh, but there is a level where, like, you know, even for jobs, like every time someone says, oh, there's no jobs out there. I'm like, no. Like certain jobs, let's say right now with COVID have been worsely, worsely impacted, but there's new jobs being created because for example, um, call centers are hiring remotely, work from home, work in our call center, you know, take orders for pizza from home. Uh, you know, there is 
new jobs that were created as a result of COVID. But yes, like the frontline retail, um, there are not because companies have had to be a little bit more creative in, in kind of managing the murky waters of COVID right now. Absolutely. 100%, 100%. So Joseph, we, we talked about a lot of the cool things that you can do mm -hmm. to stand out from the crowd. Like Correct. that's what we're essentially trying to do. This is a small piece of the the, the not. Very small piece. It's 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 the top of the iceberg Correct. that's showing yeah. in the ocean, right? So let's circle back into your journey on, you know, that's no one's heard of before. So I understand, you know, you've been doing this for a while. What what inspired you to, you know, go on this route and be a coach? In my younger, kind of stupider days. Uh, I didn't like, you know, I studied economics and business and then I went into finance. I worked in finance for seven years. You could not pay me a million dollars to go work in a bank again because I felt like there's better treatment in prison than in a bank. Um, and then I switched careers and I went here. So I've worked in customer service, in sales, in finance, um, in operations, tiny bit in marketing, in private education as an entrepreneur. So I've kind of had taste of all of them. Um, while I was working for the company that I mentioned that owns the 60 colleges, I was so, I'll use the word disgusted with how bad their career services was that I was like, okay, you know what? I've acquired knowledge. Like I'm a huge believer in self-development and kind of healing the mind, the body, and the spirit uh, in many aspects of life. And so, for example, when I did the Tony Robbins Walk of Fire weekend, it was so profound. But then I took a step back and went, you know what? There's about five exercises here that could be done for job finding. Why is nobody kind of addressing this? And it, it kind of became a combination of, of that. Then, like I said, like when I got into recruiting, for example, I worked for an agency where in my first year, I generated $760,000 in revenue for them. My Christmas bonus was cheese and crackers, literally cheese and crackers. And when I went to the owner, I'm like, what the hell is this? She's like, well, the cheese is from Pusateri's, which is a very high-end grocery store in Toronto. And the crackers were from the dollar store. And I kind of turned around to the owner and said, do I look like I'm 65 years old that I need cheese from Pusateri's? Like at least buy me a CD, I'll put that to use mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I looked and said, you know what? Of the $760,000 that I brought in, about 700,000 of it was new business that I generated myself. I built the relationship. I don't need your company name to do this because I built those relationships. Mm -hmm. So I left and I opened my own. Um, you know, and when I first opened it, everything I touched turned to gold. Life happened, market crashed, had a business partner that taught me a very expensive life lesson and so forth. But I've been a generalist in recruiting. So I've recruited for multiple industries and I've found people that no one else found. So I was like, okay, wait a minute. So I'm finding people that no one else is finding in recruiting. I've switched careers nine times myself. And so I understand the pain, the shame of like either being fired from a job or losing a job yeah. and kind of 
wondering what you're going to do because your identity has been that job kind of thing. Um, I've experienced it. And then I wanted to kind of go, you know what? I want to give back and kind of create a legacy where I made a difference and I help people understand, you know what? Job searching is not that complicated if you understand the systems and you understand the formulas because it's all systematic. Like I've devised kind of seven rules to an interview. Several very simple rules. And um, when my brother was finishing his uh, third year mechanical engineering, he applied for an internship. By the time one of the companies responded to him, it was going to be more of a paper pusher job rather than a pure engineering job. And he already registered for his fourth year classes. So he asked me to kind of cancel the interview. Well, I decided, let's see how good I am at this interview business. Mm -hmm. So I went in as my brother. Okay. As I mentioned earlier, I studied economics and business. The only thing I know about mechanical engineering is what I wrote for him on his resume uh, at the time. My first interview, there was 100 students from four major universities mm. uh, in Canada, in Ontario, let's say. Within 45 minutes, human resource called me back, said, we love you. We need to come back for a second interview. I was like, all right, let's see how far I can take this. Mm. So second interview, I spoke with the manager of the department that I potentially work with. Now, I spoke the truth about my brother's resume. So my brother was on a team that designed a wheelchair for third world nations that uses a tank chain so it can go on any terrain. Mm -hmm. Came second in Ontario for the best mechanical engineering project of the year, won $500 from a major bank. Told the manager I studied thermodynamics and quantum physics. To this day, I have no idea what those are. Mm -hmm. Didn't even leave the parking lot. Manager called me back, said, I adore you. I need to come back for our third and final interview. I was like, okay. Out of 100 candidates, I made it to the final three. I was the first one in at 8.30 in the morning. Manager walked over to me and goes, here's your offer letter. The job's yours. All you have to do is pass this mechanical engineering test. Mm -hmm. I looked at him. I looked at the test. I looked at him. I looked at it. I'm like, I can't do this test. Manager looked at me and goes, I know you're nervous. Let me help you. He solved the first three questions for me. <laughs> right? I looked at him and I go, I am so sorry for wasting your time. I guess I'm a lot more comfortable with the design than I am with the calculations. I'm not the right candidate for this job. Thank you for the opportunity. Mandra followed me to the car and begged me to take the job because I'd interviewed that much better than every other mechanical engineer. Now I've done this with law jobs, accounting jobs, IT jobs, because I test this to make sure that what I teach to people um, is kind of works. And the system is so simple that even an interview, like most people that go into it, oh, I think I nailed that interview. They spend too much time talking about fluff. Like a lot of interviewers start the question, like the interview with, tell me about yourself, Janae. They really don't care that you have a lovely family or that you love to travel unless you are required to travel for the job, um, you know, or that you've enjoyed your career so far because it has nothing to do with making them money, right? So whenever an interviewer asks me that silly loaded question, I look them in the eyes, smile and say, where would you like me to begin? Whatever they tell you to begin, they've just told you this is important and this is probably what you'll do on the job. Otherwise, you wouldn't care enough to ask. Similarly, if you've given an example and they say, can you expand on that example or can you give me a second similar example to show that skill set? They've just told you, ding, ding, ding. We love what you're saying. You're now a candidate for being hired in this job. But again, these tricks for the most part are common sense. By no means did I invent how to interview. By no means did I, like, yes, I've written six books on it. 
uh, right? Um, but by no means am I the only expert in North America. By no means am I the only person that's, let's say, worked with HR or in HR or any version of the training for it. But the problem is that, let's say, the majority of people want to go, well, you know what, I found a job. But if it's taking you six months to a year to find a job, and I can get you hired in a month, how much is that worth to you? Wow. Right? So this is where a lot of the things that I talk about when, when I mention them to people, they kind of go, yeah, but I found a job. I go, but if you're not finding a job right now and you're not getting a response right now, I'm not dismissing that you're capable of finding a job. I'm simply saying that the way you're doing it might not work right now because it worked 10 years ago. Doesn't mean it works today. Um, and there's, you know, and this is where I, like I'm launching kind of an online course to help and we're doing, I'm doing a webinar on the 24th um, called From Resumes to Referrals. It's on Facebook. You can find kind of the link. It's very easy. Uh, for $22, I'm going to be sharing some of these tips. I'm going to talk about some of the aspects of job finding, writing a resume that gets noticed. Mm -hmm. You know, like I always use the, like if you've ever watched the movie Legally Blonde, uh, when Elle Woods applies to the internship and to Harvard, she yeah. submits a pink scented resume. I'm not saying your resume needs to be pink and scented, but even something as simple as changing the heading colors to something else breaks the eyes, break the monotony of the eyes when you have black and white and you have, you know, a stack this big, right? And especially if somebody's spending eight seconds reading your resume, a little bit of color catches their eye. Uh, so I'm going to be kind of explaining all this and kind of giving people an understanding of if you're not getting responses, this is what's happening. If you're not using social media correctly, here's what's happening. Because even on LinkedIn, majority of people just kind of have the dates that they've worked mm -hmm. in the name of the company. Yep. Okay. That's nice. Yeah, and, the, and, their, and their job title. Right. And again, I can say that in Toronto, especially, it, people make up job titles that are very uh, entertaining. I'll use that word. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, for example, instead of receptionist, you're now the director of first impressions. Right. So people go director. Ooh, high level. No, uh, you're still an administrative assistant or an executive assistant. But director of first impression sounds uh, much better. Like I have a resume of somebody that was working in one of the grocery stores and instead of cashier, she wrote financial transactions specialist. Nice. So you read financial transactions specialist, you're like, Ooh, accountant or this. No, she was a cashier at a grocery store kind of thing. <laughs> right. And like more power because like, listen, as, as someone who's written resumes for 11,000 people and help them kind of succeed, I can make a janitor sign like a brain surgeon. Mm -hmm. See, that's part of the talent, but it's not just, Ooh, I'll, I'll go on Google and find a few cookie water, a cookie, um, find the words kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. is a lot of what people do that say, I charge 50 bucks for a resume or a hundred bucks for a resume. They just kind of go, here's a few keywords. Here's the template of a pro like a resume. And there you go. And unfortunately, that burns the bridges for somebody like me that goes, but it shouldn't be a cookie wall. And like, unless you're applying for government type job, you shouldn't have a cookie cutter resume because you're not a cookie and you're not like you have your own personality, you have your own achievement, you have your own contribution. So your resume should have some personality because it'll help you get noticed. 
similar, like you're hosting a podcast, you've been doing this for a while, you've kind of figured out a few things in terms of how podcasting works and having guests on the show. If I were to start a podcast today or tomorrow, mm-hmm. I don't have your track. I don't have your followers. I don't have that. But for me to go, but I'm a podcaster by default, I'm an expert. You know, yeah. there's a level where like, again, I might not be for you. That's fine. But make sure that you're diligent in asking a few questions right, to, right. to kind of see if that person is right for you. you. Like, you know, if I use, again, I used to work as a stock trader. I used to work in finance. So I had all my designations. I meet a, a ton of financial advisors and they're like, can we schedule a 20 minute, a half hour meeting to discuss your financial strategy? I go, okay, before we do that, I need you to answer one of three, if not all three of these questions. Number one, what is your net worth? And if someone goes, how rude, like, how dare you? I go, listen, if you're struggling to make rent and, uh, you know, my financial position is, let's say I can invest a million dollars with you. How are you going to advise me on my money when you're barely making rent right now? Yeah. If you don't want to answer that question, answer to me, you know, what is your asset under management and how much is your biggest client invested with you? Because I want to know that you can handle a larger sum. Right. And the third question I ask, especially since I've lived it, is do you know anything beyond mutual funds and life insurance? Do you know anything about derivatives, options, futures, uh, FX, cryptocurrency? Because if I'm willing to take risks on my investment and I already speak the language and I know more than you, how are you advising me? Right. Right. Again, no disrespect to anybody in the field. Like it's Mm -hmm. a needed field. There's a lot of education that needs to occur because there's still a lot of people that are very clueless, but I'm not a typical potential client because I was designated and I'm in that conversation regularly. So it's like, okay, know your market. You know, I, I probably get, I'd say 50 emails a day on LinkedIn telling me that they can optimize my website and do SEO and things like that. I go, okay, but there's a difference between you taking, let's say, one of my social media platforms from 100 to 200 mm-hmm. people or taking it to 10,000 people. And I want to know the results that you produced. I want to know kind of the strategies that you've implemented to get someone to 10,000. Like, uh, you know, I'm not very active or good with my Instagram account. Mm-hmm. When an Instagram account, my wife actually helped set it up and I gave her kind of content. She posted it and organically we got to 200 followers. So now what I can call myself an Instagram expert and say, I can get you 200 followers on Instagram. Like most people could get 200 followers on Instagram with that, that much effort. Exactly. But there is algorithms in terms of the colors, the pictures, the, the way you post the quantity of the, the, uh, you know, the value of the posting and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, unless you're a celebrity, that people just follow because you're a celebrity, it's not. So yeah. again, by no means am I a social media expert, but if someone says I can do your social media, I start asking them questions like, what have you done? Unfortunately, this kind of is in jobs too. If you're asking people, like if you ask five employment agencies, what makes a good resume, you'll probably get 20 different opinions. Right, because this client wants it very cookie cutter. This client maybe a little bit personality. This yeah. one wants it more, like you know, semi-functional. This one wants it, you know, creative or whatever. So it's not a right or wrong. It's just a matter of 
like, you know, asking the expert, have you experienced this industry? Do you have any examples of A or B? Have you done this or that? And then if they have, and you like their answers, go ahead and use them. I'm like, by all means, by no means am I the only expert, but you know, do your due diligence to make sure that it's serving you. It's, uh, it's worthwhile to you. Um, same thing in job finding, like, you know, too many people go networking and they're like, Ooh, I need a job. Can you hire me? You don't know me. I don't know you. You haven't taken any time to ask me any questions. You just heard me, let's say, like you and I are having a conversation. Yeah, exactly. Someone's walking by, heard that I gave a, a, a good tip and says, who can I have your card? Can I have your card? Because you sound important. Great, but you haven't done anything to earn. So like, card, yeah, right. Like, yeah, I'll give you a card or whatever. It's a piece of paper. I don't care. But if you're emailing me going, hi, I saw you at the networking event. I heard you speak, but didn't actually speak to you. Can we connect? No, I have other things to do kind of thing. And same thing when most people go to a networking event, they're so of the mindset of I need to ask for a job, I need to ask for a job. It's the wrong thing to do. Like first thing I said to people is when you go to a networking event, have a signature look, like brand yourself. So for me, my favorite color is purple. Every time I go to a networking event, every time I have a speaking engagement, uh, the course I did, the online course, I'm always wearing purple. Right, because it's part of my, my business card's purple, everything's purple. It's part of my branding kind of thing. But if I have a conversation with you, Junaid, and I email you the next day and say, Hi, I'm the guy with the purple shirt. Right? You might not remember my name, yeah. but there's an emotional connection to the purple shirt. Absolutely. Now you'll you're more likely to answer me back mm-hmm. because I said I'm the uh, the the guy with the purple shirt. Right. Now the biggest mistake again is Oh, I need a job. Can I send you my resume? I don't know you. Like what have you done to get to know me? Right. So if like I go to networking, I'm like, oh, Janet, you're like an executive in this company. What made you so successful? Mm-hmm. Now I'm getting you to brag about how great you are. Yeah. And if other people are coming to the conversation because I'm asking about how great you are, probably you're going to tune them out or kind of go, yeah, yeah. But you'll come back to me because you get to share about your brilliance, mm-hmm. your expertise. Right. Yeah. And you've done a great job here with hobbies and hacks. And again, thank you for having me. Uh, right. But it's there. So ask a few questions about them. Get to know them. Ask them questions like if you were to mentor somebody that wants to podcast, what mm. would you teach them? How would you kind of help them build their following and brand? Again, I'm asking about you. I'm asking about yep. your expertise. I'm asking about your experiences. So you're more likely to give me information than just, Junet, I'm going to be a podcaster. So can you tell me everything that you've done so that I could do it exactly kind of thing, right? Because I asked you to mentor me. I asked you to, it's a, like the choice of words are very powerful in the way that people react to you. And then if you build that rapport, instead of saying, hey, Junet, I'm actually looking for a job in your industry wanting to hire me. I say, hey, Junaid, would you mind critiquing my resume or giving me feedback? Notice I didn't ask for the job. I asked yeah. for a critique or feedback. Yeah. Why? Because if you're willing to spend the time to critique and fe- give me feedback on my resume, you've just written the perfect resume that you're going to hire. And now there's a little bit of sucking up. Like, you know, Junaid, I really appreciate all the insights you gave me about your career, uh, the insights you gave me about, you know, being an expert as a podcaster. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the fact that you gave me feedback on my resume, I would love to learn from somebody like you. I would love to be part of your team and produce results that make you look better. Yeah. What do you think are my chances of getting an interview with you if I did that first? Probably a lot more than anything else. Right. And again, this you is where that conversation, you built that relationship. Exactly. Right. So when we started the conversation, you asked how I found out about you. Mm-hmm. And I said, Robert Moore, he spoke extremely highly about you that, you know, he highly recommends your podcasts. Yeah. You know, it's a great experience. It's a very open conversation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I know Robert Moore. I respect his opinion. Um, thank you for giving me the lead in the introduction. Yeah. And I reached out and I kind of booked an appointment type of thing. So to, to kind of get to know you and see if there's a, a fit and so forth. But it's that model where it's not just, hey, like, you know, I'm an expert. Can I, they're like, great. If you're an expert, I'm not dismissing experts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I found, and this is the biggest thing that bothers me about coaches. Yeah. Is that coaches have this mindset of, I can do anything, you know, I help people find a job and I have a track record. I have six books I have there. If someone came to me and said, listen, I suffer from bipolarism or schizophrenia. Can you help me draft a letter that can explain to HR my condition? Mm -hmm. And so that if symptoms arise, I don't get fired instantly. um, And I have a better chance of keeping the job. Yes, I can do that because that's part of my expertise. Mm -hmm. But if someone says to me, okay, you're, you're a great coach. You've given me some life advice. Can you cure my bipolarism or can you cure my schizophrenia? My answer is no, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not trained enough to, to do that. You know, like Tony Robbins, when he first started his career, did neuro-linguistic programming and read 750 psychology book and then basically went on radio and said, I can cure anything in an hour. I'm not making that claim because I know my limitations. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if you're kind of a life coach or a um, manifestation coach or, you know, this, if you're telling me that you're, for example, a, a fitness coach and you weigh 350 pounds, unless you weighed 750 pounds and you've lost 350 pounds, yeah, am I really going to believe that you're going to be my exercise coach or my fitness coach? Now, if you lost 400 pounds, I, you've earned a lot of respect right away. Yeah. Right. And I appreciate the process you went through because obviously the heavier you are, the harder it is to get into a health track record. But if someone goes, well, you know what, like I've taken two courses and I'm now a coach. Okay. What were your courses? What is like, did you receive a designation from it or a certification from it? Is that certification recognizes there? Uh, a background kind of thing. And then, yeah, absolutely. Right. I'm open-minded to anybody in any conversation, but you have to have something that you can say I've done it. So I can say I've switched jobs or careers nine times. I've switched jobs 18 times. I can say I've worked in the recruiting industry for nearly 20 years. I've worked for these big name companies as well as a few smaller that, you know, locally, let's say around Toronto, people will know the name, but not necessarily outside of it. Um, And then I can say, I've worked with these agencies, I've coached. So if you go on my LinkedIn profile, for example, there's about 70 testimonials, both in Britain and in video kind of thing. So there's a track record there. You can look me up. You can find information of 
I've done this, right? Because I'm not like, oh yeah, John said this. There's their full name, there's a video, there's kind of that it's not a made up person. You can actually go into their LinkedIn profile yep. and see who they are and see that they still were or that they worked in the profession and they're, you know, so the testimony matches what they're saying. That social, kind of the social proof is, avail is right there. Right. Um, but it's a level where, again, uh, you know, I, I personally have experienced this where I've signed up to a program, you know, you pay a few thousand dollars and there's a promise of the sky and the moon. And then you get there and you do like a weekend boot camp. And at the end of the weekend, we're going to like, if you really want to know, you got to spend another 10 grand or you got to gotta buy that chip. <laughs> right. <laughs> get and like, I don't want to be that person where it's like, okay, I, I want to give you seven layers of fluff. Like, you know what? I want to leave a legacy that I made a difference. I want to leave a legacy that I help people. Yeah. And so yeah, I'm doing a webinar for $22 to kind of open mind. If you're interested in more information and you're in it, like, and again, it's called from, uh, uh, resumes to referrals. Uh, you can find the landing page on Facebook. Um, I think I shared the link with you, but if not, I can send it to you. Sure, absolutely. It'll be sure and to then, share and, that. Uh, like at the end of the day, yes, there will be a small upsell, but it's not going to be like, it's going to be a very small investment. It's going to be like a hundred, 200 bucks. It's not going to be, and you'll get everything. There is no additional uh, like upsell. The upsell would be if you kind of try to write it on your own, even though I've given you, let's say 15 templates, you try to write a resume, you're like, you know what, this is way too frustrating. I'll pay you to do it. That's a whole other conversation because you chose that. It's not me Absolutely. kind of selling you 15 different programs. Right. Um, so you're, you're starting with the webinar, then yeah. you have, Hey, here's, so I've built an course. online course called mm -hmm. land your dream job, basically. Right. And in the online course, I explain how to beat the ATS tracking systems. I explain how to work with employment agencies. I explain how to optimize your LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. I explain networking. I explain salary negotiations. I've provided you with, um, like I explained to you kind of outside the box strategies for finding a job, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, buying a box of donuts, putting your resume inside it and delivering it to the department that you want to work in, for example. Right. Um, I've explained kind of social media as a whole, not from a social media expert perspective, but like, for example, most companies have a Facebook page, have a Twitter account or an Instagram account. If you start posting interesting comments or questions, they'll start tracking you. They'll start uh, kind of seeing who you are. Mm. Right. Uh, I had a client uh, in the States that is a product manager. He's been self-employed for 10 years, hired me. I rewrote his resume. I rewrote his LinkedIn account within two weeks, Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Snapchat called him for an interview. Right. So obviously I did something right mm -hmm. now. He didn't get hired because let's say Google asked him for some technical paperwork and he waited two weeks to send him that paperwork. Mm -hmm. And Google was like, you don't make Google wait for two weeks. When we ask for something, you send us right away. You drop everything and you send it. And then he called and yelled me that I didn't do my job uh, for helping him get a job. I go, wait, 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 let me understand this correctly. The four largest social media companies in the world called you within two weeks of me doing your LinkedIn profile and your kind of resume. And I didn't do my job of helping you get hired because... <laughs> you didn't send them the paperwork that they wanted or 
you were stumped by questions that I knew how to answer, even though I'm not a product manager. Right. Because that's what I do. That's what you do. And wow. then again, so it's a conversation where, again, I, I lied. So he refused to pay me my fee. I'm like, okay, like, you know what? Karma. And, and I'm a huge believer. So, uh, you know, it's been almost a year. COVID hit. No one's talking to him now. And again, it's a level of like, yeah, you might get the attention is, because yeah. you, you did it, but you're burning bridges because you're not following up. And uh, if you're f- applying for a job and you're kind of like, okay, I'm going to wait till somebody responds to me. No. So, you know, I've provided like uh, one of my books for free. I've provided in the systems there. I've provided uh, like, I think it's a 12 page list of resources of where you can work part-time from home to subsidize your income wow. and help you like, you know, in terms of if you want to be a virtual assistant, if you want to do transcribing of things, if you want to, um, you know, do be a mystery shopper and I've categorized them for you so that All you don't them. need to think you're like, Oh, I want this category. Boom. And Boom. that's there. I've provided kind of, I have 15 resume templates on it, 15 cover letter templates, uh, thank you letter templates, um, you know, do's and don'ts before an interview, um, the psychology of the interview explained in full kind of thing, um, kind of how to optimize your job search. I've basically done all the work for you. All you have to do is actually do the homework I've given you in each module and you're guaranteed success, right? And I use the word guaranteed because uh, I don't guarantee you'll get a job. I can't control what you do in an interview, but I guarantee you'll get those interviews right away because you'll get noticed and you'll, you'll be different than everybody else kind of thing. Right. Um, wow. And no upsell on the program, literally just, you want the program. Great. There'll be opportunities to have live zoom calls with me uh, where I'll do live coaching mm-hmm. for people that have bought into the program kind of thing. Uh, so even though I might be coaching you, Junaid, everybody that's in the call can benefit from the benefit. way I've explained the coaching and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and the only difference or upsell will be if somebody chooses to do kind of go you know what i've looked at your templates i i understand everything explained about resume but it's not working for me so please uh yeah yeah they can't do the homework it's not necessarily can't it's do not the homework. Like, that okay it, it's more of like listen just like i said everybody has an expertise and they have their knowledge and just yeah. because like for example you might be a great communicator in terms of doing uh, these podcasts, mm-hmm. you, your writing skills in terms of putting the words on the paper might yeah. not be as strong. So like there's exactly. a level where, you know, I'm not just saying it's the end all that be all, but again, some uh, jobs uh, are easier in terms of writing the technical terminology. Like when you're working in IT, there's a lot of technical terminology, but if you're working in, let's say, um, marketing, there is technical terminology, but there isn't kind of thing because it's in in between because when you're talking about SEO, it's not just enough to say SEO. You have to kind of explain a little bit about kind of the strategy or the algorithm to make the SEO work in order to show the technical skills. Exactly. You got to show the work. Right. So in some cases, it's harder to show the work because people that have like mid-level jobs, like if you're working in accounts receivable or accounts mm-hmm. payable, your job is routine. So you're not necessarily thinking about what's the actual contribution in the grand scheme of the company. You're not quant- You're not thinking 
okay, well, accounts receivable, like how many accounts per per week am I collecting or doing kind of thing? Absolutely. Right. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for so much value. I mean, uh, thank you for having me. And sorry, I rambled on for so long. <laughs> No problem. This was this was a really good. I mean, I know a lot of people that are looking for work, a lot of people that are struggling through this, and COVID has really, really changed the entire infrastructure. And you just mentioned sixty-five million people are without jobs, and again, some of them have come back or found. Right, they have. But here's sadly the statistics, even before COVID. So even when large TV stations like MSNBC state that oh, you know, three hundred thousand new jobs were created this month. Most of those jobs are part-time retail. They're not yeah. the professional jobs that people that have a university education or a college education are seeking, right? right? So there's a level where, um, similar to the COVID stats, they're a little bit skewed. Um, but most people that are frustrated and struggling are people that are professionals. People that kind of go, you know what? Uh, like, you know, I've worked in IT for the past there. Um, my company just downsized 40 people and I'm not having any success mm -hmm. finding an IT job. Those yeah. are the ones that are like, you know, depressed, angry, ups, uh, you know, embarrassed because, you know, uh, yep. totally. forgive me for saying this. It might sound uh, a little bit off, but especially for men. Uh, that is a huge part of their identity. That's a huge part of their confidence that, you know, they, they've done a good job. They've provided for the family kind of thing. Um, but again, this is like, I've designed this for, for it to be a, if you're, if you don't want to do the legwork yourself, you know, I've spent 25,000 hours mastering this. I've switched careers nine times. I've worked in recruiting for nearly 20 years with some pretty big boys in the industry, um, <laughs> you're paying for the expertise to make your process faster, easier, and more efficient. Um, because again, you might have a resume, you might've had a few interviews. You know, I had a guy that uh, came to Canada from another country mm -hmm. to, to study, uh, to be a, a quality, kind of quality control in pharmaceuticals and things like that right um yeah. and he said that while he did the course it was like a year course he had one maybe two interviews and then he waited waited nobody responded to him i wrote his resume and gave him a few tips on interviewing in two months he had 15 interviews wow right so again if he's not getting hired from those 15 interviews that's a whole other conversation. But that's the fact thing. that there was 15 interviews there means, uh, sorry, it was regulatory affairs. I was looking for the word. So he was regulatory affairs, you know, the labeling on pharmaceutical bottles yeah. and stuff like that. But again, tweaking the resume with the right words and the right there, very big pharmaceutical companies were reaching out to him and saying, okay, um, let's talk a little bit about your background. Let's talk about this. Um, so, Again, if you if you know how to use your network and you're getting hired, you don't need my program. I'm I, I don't have ego attached. <laughs> it's about being of service to people and exactly. saying like, look, I, I understand money's tight, but for twenty two dollars, 
to, again, it's called From Resumes to Referrals on Facebook, uh, for $22 to spend two hours of your time where similar to the tricks I shared about the applicant tracking system, I can share that with you. And just that one trick gets you an interview. Yep. Yep. It's worth the $22, right? And, you know, even if I'm charging a couple hundred dollars and it won't be more than that to kind of do the full program. Again, unless you're about to be homeless, you're going to spend more on Starbucks lattes or whatever, uh, or ordering from, you know, Uber, skip the dishes and all those in terms of depending on whether or not you cook (laughs) to invest in yourself to kind of have this as a resource that can really make a huge impact because most people, especially now with COVID feel lost because they cannot use the normal application process of, you know, even networking, it's gone online. So the dynamic of networking has changed. The way you ask for a business has changed. The way that business is occurring is changing. And even professional corporations, like everything's being done remotely, but 100%. no one's seeing your resume. They don't know how are you getting interviewed? Yeah. How are you getting, right? My job is to get you in the door. So whether you use one of my tools or use the entire system, if it made a difference in you, like, you know, even let's say something in salary negotiation, most people don't realize that you can negotiate vacation days. You can negotiate, like you can negotiate, for example, an extra week of vacation. If salary, like, you know, if you're already making, let's say six figures to go from 110 to $115,000 really doesn't make that much of a difference in your lifestyle, Mm -hmm. but getting an extra week of vacation does right? Or working from home one day a week or um, having perks like I want you to pay for a parking spot because I live downtown and parking is a pain in the, uh, you know, there. Those are things that you can negotiate if if you've demonstrated the value that you can offer. And uh, again, like I've helped people, like I'd say the most stressful and most exciting negotiation I've ever done in salary is I got somebody a $450,000 raise in four hours. Wow. Yeah. Most people go, what? Like in terms of, because it's not a normal number. Like this is a one time never happens again. But yeah, I basically had a, a candidate that was a financial controller for a company that does blank CDs and DVDs. Uh, he was making $65,000 a year plus a possible $20,000 bonus. For five years, his employer told him that they cannot give him a raise because the company's not making enough money. So I interviewed him, really loved him. I sent him to one of my clients that does custom surround sounds for houses that are worth at least $2 million in uh, greater Toronto area where everything is in the wall. You know, everything is remote, kind of state-of-the-art technology. Yeah. My client loved him, said, okay, how much is he making? I said, 65, possibly a bonus of $20,000. He goes, okay, fine. I'll give him a base of $85,000, $25,000 to come work for me. Told the candidate the good news, he resigned. Within a half hour of resigning, his employer came back and said, you're the only one that understands what's going on here with the numbers. You can't leave. What they offer you? So he told them 85 and 25. They're like, okay, fine. We'll give you a base of $120,000, $30,000 bonus to stay here. Now, five years, they refused to give him a raise on $65,000 salary. And now they want to give him. Now they wanted to kind of double his salary. Right. So called my client, told him the news. He's like, okay, you know what? I really, really like this guy. What they offer him. 
I told him, he goes, okay, fine. I'll give him a base of $160,000, $40,000 bonus to come work for me. Candidate resigned again. <laughs> right? Employer came back and was like, you're not allowed to leave. We cannot let you leave. You're too valuable to this company. What they offer you. Yes, love. I'm going to be a couple minutes. I'm finishing up. Okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, so his employer was like, what they offer you? He told them. They came like senior executive. Like this is now went to the top. Yeah. Okay, like the C-level executive walked into his office and said, fine, we'll give you a base of $200,000, 2% ownership in the company. You'll make two fifty dollars a year. Okay. Called my client, told him the news. My client's like, okay, this is my final offer to him. If he doesn't take this, he's an idiot. I'm going to make him my right-hand man. I'll give him a base of $265,000 and 9% ownership in my company. In his worst year, he'll make a half a million dollars. That negotiation was four hours. And you can imagine, I mean, as a recruiter, my commission was pretty, because I make a percentage of the first year's pay, especially on the salary. So you can imagine how stressed I was to lose this deal. (laughs) 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 Right, so, yeah, like I said. He took took the new job. Of course he took the new job. I mean, when somebody comes back at you three times, gives you 9% ownership in the company and gives you a $200,000 raise to begin with, without having seen you do a day of work, you don't necessarily you don't. question it. No. Right. But on the flip side, I've also worked with companies where, for example, they're so like nickel and diming on the small things that like, for example, uh, my father, God rest his soul, he passed away eight years ago, was a project manager. Um, and he was kind of a senior director of operations. So his salary was close to around the $200,000 mark. The company decided that they want to save some money and hire a more junior project manager. But the junior project manager couldn't handle because the project was taking 15 buildings and converting into condos. So instead of paying $200,000 for one person that knows what they're doing to do that, they end up hiring eight people for $100,000 each and paying $800,000 and therefore losing $600,000 in salary. And the logic of, but they're cheaper versus their experience and they know what they're doing sometimes baffles me with uh, the corporate world because it's like you know you want results like you, you know, said earlier common sense is not so common like <laughs> you know i've been in interviews where they're like you're overqualified for this job and basically when somebody says something so silly to me i look them in the eyes i smile and say so if i understand you correctly your company does not want to make more money and then I just shut up. And then they're like, no, you know, I'm like, okay, if you need me to sign like a two-year contract saying I won't leave you for two years, I'll do that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But me being overqualified means I'll get better results faster than anybody else. So you have a choice of whether you want the results or you want to lose money by hiring the wrong people. And I'm like, because I'm also a career coach, I'm that confidence too. Yeah, to of course. kind of put it in their face. But <laughs> I teach this confidence. I teach this element of like own what you're worth, own what you've done in your career. Cause when you point a finger at somebody, there's three fingers pointing at you. Exactly. You got to be three times more. And what you might think is small and insignificant in terms of your career and your experience might be the most important things to the company that's interviewing you. Cause that's the one thing they're struggling with. Yeah. Right. 
Um, so this is where I say kind of quantify your results because everything's relative. You know, before I became a director in a private college, I worked for a private college as a sales person. When I came in, they were making $530,000 for the year in sales. I did $860,000 in revenue in one month for them. <laughs> like, right? What? Yeah. So again, because I also understood where the bulk of their business was coming. So I went and did presentations to the level where basically the people were the, like, let's say WSIB was mm -hmm. one of their biggest kind of where people were coming from. Yeah. So I said to WSIB, I gave them a presentation said, they could either do one course that costs about $10,000 or they can do three or four courses that will cost you $35,000 and they'll be certified here. They'll have management and leadership. They'll have this, they'll have this and they'll be off your payroll forever. Which one would you rather have? The 10,000 maybe get a job and still be on your pay, uh, on your kind of disability that you pay or pay me $35,000 and you never have to see them again. And they went, wait, 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 what do you mean never have to see them again? Because they're trained in management, they're training this, they're training this, they're training this, they're guaranteed to get a job in the industry. And they went, okay. And they understood, once they understood the yeah. value of what I'm offering them, because if they're paying, let's say $100,000 to somebody who hurt their back, and now they're paying 35,000 and they don't have to pay that $100,000 anymore, so as soon as someone says, hey, I came in from WSIB, I'm like, here's your $35,000 package. I didn't have to think about it because I knew it was automatically approved. So I sold a lot of $35,000 packages because wow. I, I was smart enough to understand that WSIB wants to save money in the long run and therefore. Interesting. Right. Uh, but that's part of it. It's part of building yeah. the relationship. It's part of being in tune. And I've yeah. been in tune with the job market for so long that with the exception of a few Google interview questions, and I give them credit, they've asked some very creative ones. Um, there isn't a question I don't know how to answer because I've literally written the book on it six times. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's a thing. And it's like, to me, like for most people, like, oh, this is a hard question. No, it's not. It's right? how you, yeah. Man, this is, this is a ton of information. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate all the extra efforts you put into sharing these informations and I'll be sure to share the link to uh, your program that you're launching and you know let's see who there's I'm 100% I'm sure there's a ton of people that are looking for this information and they can like I said I'm not going to be teaching you what you already know I'm going to be talking right. about the stuff that no one's ever told you and the tricks and the systems as to why you're not getting hired because yeah. right now with the increased competition if you don't stand out, unless you know people that are kind of opening doors for you, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, like there's a lot of rumors that a second wave is about to happen uh, with COVID. So oh, companies oh. are hiring remotely, be ready. And yep. especially now where it's the end of the year, it's the best time to apply for the new year that enough people don't understand. They're like, oh, I'll start applying in the new year. Nope, it's too late. It's too late though, right. then. Yeah. Because even though companies might not be hiring right now, as soon as January like third hits, they now have their books open for the new year. And if they're looking at the top hundred candidates that they have, they're not looking at 
resumes from January. They're looking at resumes from November as a top hundred, for example. So Absolutely. that's where it, it kind of it goes. And again, I wish I had more time, but like I could tell you stories upon stories upon stories that not no, only absolutely. happened to me, but to people that have helped because, you know, shifting one thing, looking at one thing differently made such a difference kind of thing. And yeah. uh, this is where like, you know, there's hope, there's kind of jobs out there, there's plenty of career opportunities. And even if you need to switch careers, you know, learn how to show the transferable skills, learn how to show the skill set um, so that companies are reaching out to you and saying, yeah, you know what, you're somebody we want to talk to. You're somebody that um, even though you might not be perfectly matched to the job description, we like what you're saying. Yeah. And that's kind of the program I've created, how to get your foot in the door faster. I love it. Love that title too. How to get your foot in the door faster. Well, that's why my program's called Land Your Dream Job because it's a little bit of a, it's a little, yeah. Like you know, it's it also has a con like more power to it. Yeah. All right. Well, Joseph, thank you so much again. We'll be sure to include the links in the show notes and look forward to speaking with you further. Thank you very much for the opportunity, Junaid, and uh, awesome feeling. Uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing because. Uh, the world needs it both from the kind of the hobbies that people talk about and mm -hmm. forget, you know, even the job market hobbies yeah. are so important it's um, they are. and the hacks like, you know, because, you know, people that play video games, most of them don't want to figure out the game by themselves. They want to have a hack to get to the better levels or the higher uh, <laughs> things. So, you know, great name for your podcast. Uh, and thank it. you for giving people like me the opportunity to share the message. Absolutely. Um, We'll talk to you very soon. Thank you for listening to Hacks and Hobbies. You can find additional information on the guest today on the website hacksandhobbies.com. Please feel free to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on upcoming interviews with amazing guests.